What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Duo Podcast with myself, Nolsey, and my co-host, Jaxie. Jaxie is back from his one-week hiatus. Yeah, good to be back. Um, I missed it when I was gone. I was in Sydney for the week with work. So, yeah, one of the one of the perks with work is I do get to do a bit of travelling with it. One of the drawbacks is I miss a or weekly podcast. So, one of a massive uh, massive drawback, but luckily I'm here this week. You might have to give up the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have to do this full-time. Tell you. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe. But, um, yeah, good to be back. And international break at the moment so next week we'll do our usual podcast but this week we're going to be looking at trade suggestions so you guys out there on twitter and instagram sent us in a couple of trade suggestions i think we have six trade suggestions to run through and yeah we're going to go through them in detail uh, pros and cons of each player and just reasons why we'd pick some players over the others so yeah, so again, thanks very much for all interactions on any social platform whatsoever. We love looking at them, discussing them. Throughout this process of deciding what we go for, we looked at stats and fixtures as we always do. We didn't agree on some of them, but then we kind of came to a conclusion on others as to what might be the best one over their next five or ten game weeks. As Jaxie said, it's an international break, so it's a Wednesday of the first week. A lot will change from now until then. So make sure you keep up to date on Twitter, Instagram for uh, injuries so that you know, let's say if you are considering this trade, if a particular player gets injured on international break, it might influence what you do. I would recommend, even if you are deciding on some of these trades, to wait later in the week. So let's say you have it in the pipeline, maybe um, try and get it over the line next week just to monitor and see how the injuries turn out so don't oh, don't uh, jump the gun yeah because most of these trades were very close calls I think there's only one or two that were, were obvious mm-hmm. obvious decisions so any news that does come out over the next two weeks could be crucial in, in picking which player to go with yeah so we'll start off and we'll uh, talk through them we're going to give pieces of advice and strategy throughout which might influence your decision even if you aren't involved in this trade so if you're looking at a similar trade and we go through the process maybe you want to apply that process to a trade that you're looking at as well first up is a very tight one because it's two players from the same team relative same position it is Ake versus Akanji this was sent in by Braden and he is asking who should he go for Ake versus Akanji so when we looked at this obviously as Jaxi said it's very tight we had different outcomes. We look at Ake first. Now, if we look at the starting uh, games for Ake, or the games that he has started, he has started five out of seven this year. That is in the Premier League. He has averaged 66 minutes per game. In the Champions League, he has started one, played the 90 minutes, and then came on in the second one. So I suppose when we're talking about City as a whole, both these players for, play for City, we have to understand and think about that they are in the Champions League, that a lot of rotation occurs in Man City. We already know that. So both of these players, I don't think, first and foremost, are going to be nailed down for every game. They're going to be rotated. And I suppose we have to look at that rotation and and which ones are more likely to get game time in Champions League and Premier League. Ake has started 5 out of 7 in the Premier League and averaged 66 minutes. Recently started against Arsenal and scored that own goal, unfortunate own goal, as we know. That might tip or, or influence um, Pip's decision to start in the next game. I think it's very harsh and unlucky if it does, 
but you never know. In terms of attack and returns, he has averaged a, a higher position and a more advanced position on the pitch than Ake and has contributed to a goal while accumulating 1.07 XGI. So if we look at them numbers, they're not too bad for a person playing centre-back with a lot of the time Guardiol playing left-back or City maybe playing a back three with some inverted um, midfielders or, well, inverted defender into a midfielder. Yeah, and then Kanji, who I'm more favoured to, his minutes over the last five game weeks in the Premier League have been 90, 90, 90, 90, and then zero the last day. When he does play, he'll play based on previous fixtures. When he does play, he'll play the full 90 minutes. When he doesn't play, he mightn't come on at all. Whereas Ake, his minutes seem to be a bit all over the place, where he'd 90, and he played one minute, 33, 79, and 90. So although he has more attacking uh, returns, although he gets higher up the pitch than Akanji, I do feel that the more consistent minutes of Akanji outweighs the attacking returns of Ake. City losing two games in a row hasn't happened since, I think, 2018, I read today, and I don't think they're going to lose three in a row. I do think City will turn around, and I do think they will have clean sheets over the next two, two, three game weeks. So that's where, on this decision, Nozzy, Akanji does get the biscuit for me. See, I disagree there, because Brighton, they're playing Brighton next. And Brighton are the most attacking team in the Premier League. Although they're not good defensively, they have scored the most goals. So if you go down the route and think, okay, Brighton will get a goal. Maybe United might get a goal. Uh, Bournemouth, you know, very unlikely. But Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs. So out of the next six fixtures, I would say they'd be looking at two, possibly three clean sheets. And if you pick a Kanji, you're looking for the clean sheets. If you go with Ake and you think that City are still somewhat vulnerable at the back, you could be relying on attack and return. So that's why I'm going for Ake. I'm going down the route that City won't shore it up as quickly as I think. Maybe that Bournemouth game might be a, a bit of a turning point. But I think that Ake, although he is, as you said, a um, bit all over the shop in minutes and might come on and get that one pointer and block something, I think he's more likely to actually return in an attacking sense than a Kanji. If you had asked me this before I looked at any stats, I would definitely went to Kanji. Mm. Because in my head, born nailed um, in general, long term, and Ake is a bit of a rotation risk. But when we look at the minutes, Ake is still still playing his fair share of minutes throughout the season. So if you're looking for someone that's going for, going to be more probable to get attacking returns, Ake was very unlucky not to get an attacking return this week. Versus someone who's kind of a bit more nailed, and if he doesn't play, that could be a great thing that uh, someone from your bench actually comes on for him. But when you have these big city defenders that are very valuable, you know, in the draft. You want them to play. If, yeah. you, if you're in a smaller league and you have some very good defenders, it might make too much of a difference. If you're in like a 10 or 12 plus league and you have a Kanji, he's of such high trade value that you're going to need him to play. So I suppose the two ways you could go down here is Ake for attack and returns and possibly them clean sheets and a Kanji for that nailless and the more likely um, to play the 90. It's not an actual definite answer. That depends on you and your management style. And I think that goes for a lot of these decisions and a lot of decisions in general. 
you we know the players that are going to have high high ceiling but they might be a bit of a risk in terms of minutes or in terms of yellow cards or something else or we know them settle players that might get them points that tick along which are very important as well so for that one i'm going to go ake and uh, jaxi is going to go a kanji next up we are going to stick with city because we're just talking about their fixtures and a bit of rotation it's doku versus richarlison and we talked about this one for a long time and debated over this for a long time and if we look at again fixtures first and foremost City again have Brighton, United away, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Liverpool and Spurs. So in them six fixtures, they have four tough ones, I'm going to say. Possibly five, but definitely 100% three tough fixtures. Now, with Doku, he looked very exciting as he came in. He came into a City side when there was very little rotation. And he has started four out of five games. I know he's down in fantasy as certain four out of six but first game was very he was very new into the team so we're going to say four out of five his minutes he's made it to essentially 90 minutes twice other times he's been whipped early because of the Roderick red card uh, he's also been whipped early other times for probably tactical reasons so he is a bit of a rotation risk he also has Grealish now coming back he also has Foden possibly playing on the left. So we know that Doku is going to be a rotation risk. I have owned Doku and it has not been enjoyable so far. That doesn't mean that it's going to continue that way. We know City are going to score goals. They're in a bit of a rut at the minute. He is going to be providing for Haaland. He has a serious amount of touches in the box. And if Haaland and City and all them start getting going, he could be, even if he only plays cameos, could return. The problem is he is a big rotation risk. If you look at Richarlison, Jackson is the Spurs fan, I suppose he's going to whack out the facts about Richarlison. Yeah, Richarlison, when I first looked at this trade, um, I was like, oh no, I wouldn't want Richarlison in my team at all. Because being a Spurs fan, just seeing him playing, it can be very frustrating. But then, with fancy football and with the draft, you do have to take a step back and look, look at the bigger picture. So... Looking at minutes, the minutes, I don't think they give a good representation of them in the past uh, couple of weeks. 18 minutes, 10, 11, 19, 45. So a lot has changed in the past couple of weeks. So Perisic is out injured, Solomon is out injured, and Brennan Johnson is also out injured as well. So three players that can play on the left wing are all out injured. So that means Richardson, yeah, he got the nod the last day. Now, Richarlison had a howler the last day, got whipped at halftime. Uh, Hoiberg did come on for him because Basuma got sent off, but Richarlison was the weakest performing out of the front three at the time. Richarlison as well has four big chances missed so far this season. Now, against Luton the last day, I could have said if I was watching the game, if I was the stats man, he missed four big chances in that game alone. But because their fixtures are Fulham, Palace, Chelsea, Wolves and Villa. These are very good fixtures for a very attacking Spurs side. And because Spurs aren't in Europe as well, if he does play or if he doesn't start and if he does come on, he will get enough minutes to score against these teams and get returns against these teams. And I only thought of it now. If Richardson doesn't start and he does come on, he's less time to get a yellow card. <laughs> Jesus. So, That's never a good thing to be thinking about. Yeah, but 
I think for those reasons, be for the fixtures that, that he has compares to Doku's fixtures because of the amount of injuries Spurs have and he's four big chances missed. There are chances there for him. Spurs are playing very attacking football. So I do think for those reasons, Richardson does tip the scales for you. Does tip the scales. And I'd have to agree. I, funny enough, I'm going to talk about a trade that happened regarding me at the end and it did involve these two players and I did give away Doku for Richarlison now it wasn't as simple as that I didn't like owning Doku I really liked owning uh, Richarlison with his fixture but then when I heard about how he got whipped and the chances that he missed and I watched the game back I wasn't a fan going forward I'm still a bit hesitant now I know Jackson said he's nailed but that's until Brennan Johnson comes back I think once Brennan Johnson comes back Richarlison will get rotated but as he said, there's very little rotation in that Spurs side. Madison is nailed. Kulisevsky looks 100% nailed this year. Yeah. So far. Yeah. Um, Son is going to be nailed. Now, the biggest asset for Richarlison is that he has and can play up top. So for whatever reason, let's say Johnson is not in favour or something happens and he wants to put Son left wing, it's more likely Richarlison to play up top than Brennan Johnson based on our evidence. Yeah. Now, at the start of the year, we did say Brennan Johnson would possibly play up top or right wing, and he's went on the left. So maybe, if Richarlison had banged them chances, he'd be nailed down. So all I think it takes for Richarlison to get a, a good spot in a good Spurs side with some relative good fixtures is him for him to finish a couple of them chances. And going forward, looking at the five next five or ten game weeks, I'd rather have someone that has the possibility of just taking one spot in just the Premier League than someone that is rotating with two or three players in a Pep Guardiola team which is notorious for rotation and playing in multiple competitions and want to go far in multiple competitions I think Richarlison is going to get more minutes over the whole course of the season because we know them Solomon and then Perisic injuries are essentially permanent it's essentially five players for four positions versus City depending on what way he plays there could be eight, nine players fighting for four or five competi- or places in multiple competitions. So just based on them facts, I think overall we're going to go with Charleston. It's mad to think that we're going for him over Doku when a couple of weeks week ago we tore him to shreds. A lot of things change. All these things change very, very quickly. If any of the front three get injured, let's say if Son gets injured or Kulisewski or if Brendan Johnson gets injured again, Richarlison, because he can play up top, because he can play on the left and probably can play on the right as well, he is so much more nailed and just has such more high possibility of getting minutes against these good um, these good fixtures. So to round off, Richarlison gets it. So sorry, Spronkler. Spronkler sent that in. Thank you, Spronkler, for that. <laughs> I think he was actually on the side of Richarlison. I think he could be a Spurs fan, so hopefully that works out if yep. you go for Richarlison. He also sent in an extra little question. Beto, Semenyo or Adebayo? And you're really putting us in the mud there, aren't you? All three of them are shite yeah. <laughs> in terms of good, productive FPL picks. Beto has now been out of the team because uh, Jack Harrison's back, McNeil's playing well, DCL, Decore. I don't think Beto, Beto long-term can get back in that team. Semenyo started the season off fantastically for Bournemouth. It looks like he's not in the team now. Bournemouth don't look like a good attacking side unless it's Solanke. Adebayo, unfortunately, for Luton, is probably the best pick because he just recently started. They have Nottingham Forest next. I don't think any of these three are going to be long-term. So if you're looking for a short-term punt, 
Adebayo hopefully gets the start against Forest with a few injuries and might return. But I think the three of them are going to be waivers in and out this year. It's going to be very hard to predict when they start. Unless there's an injury in any of them teams and it looks like they're obvious to start. I think you're just going to have to go with Adebayo who's just recently started. Who's been playing the most minutes in the last couple of game weeks. So out of them three probably have to go for the Luton man. Yeah. Moving on to a bit of a multiple trade. The first kind of big trade that we are looking at. And again, divided opinions. On one side, we have Kudos, Johnston of Palace and Romero of Spurs. And on the other side, we have Gordon, obviously of Newcastle, Ramsdale and Pau Torres. So Henry sent this in. Thank you, Henry. Hopefully um, we can help you out and you can get the trade over the line. So side A again is Kudos, Johnson, Romero. Side B is Gordon, Ramsdale and Pau Torres. Again, looking at this, what we see straight away here is Ramsdale, the odd one out. Ramsdale has not started in multiple games for Arsenal and looks like Rhea will be the number one. I know he had, he had actually a bit of a shaky game at times against City, but I still think Rhea is going to be the number one for the foreseeable future. Unless they start... I don't know, rotating in the Champions League or something like that. And then Ramsdale somehow gets into the Arsenal eleven. But for now, Ramsdale is not playing. Yeah, Arteta so, came out and said he'd like to try rotating. But I can't see that happening in the near future at all. So Ramsdale, in this trade, realistically, you're looking at three for two off the back. That's the first thing we're looking at that. I've literally just Ramsdale crossed out here. So currently, unless you think for some reason Ramsdale's getting in, we're going for a three for two. So, do you think Gordon and Pau Torres will outscore Kudos, Johnstone and Romero? Now, I think if I look at the most probable person to get consistent points here, out of the five that are left, who do you think, Jackson? Kudos, Johnson, Romero, Gordon or Torres? Who do you think over the next five, we have eight game weeks down here. Out of the next eight game weeks, I think Gordon, out of everyone, would get the most consistent points. Um, based on his fixtures, Palace, Wolves, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Chelsea. Yeah, Anthony Gordon, definitely for points. He will outweigh the likes of Romero, I do believe. Johnstone, because Palace are very tight at the back and high possibility of clean sheets, he might outweigh it there. But yeah, I do think Gordon, in terms of the, the one player out of the other five yeah. he does stand out for me definitely I think based on the, the first eight game weeks well seven for him because he was out the last one straight away I think he's the kind of highest value pick um, yep. now when I look at Pau Torres out of the next couple of game weeks we know Villa have that lovely run in the next six game weeks they have uh, teams like Luton Forest, Fulham Bournemouth so even Pau Torres there you could be looking at three or four clean sheets but then if you go to the other side and, and look at Pau Johnson. Pau Torres did score the last game. He just game, banged out. That's got, got roasted um, by Neto. And then a few minutes later, scores a goal to make up for it. So that's, you know, I, I'm not going to say, we're not going to say that Torres is going to bang goals I in this. Because people will get starry-eyed by Pau Torres just yeah. because he, he banged the Just like game. Van de Ven. It's not like we would be like, oh, Van de Ven's going to bang goals. Yeah, their XG might be high, but for a defender, unless they're getting into really attacking positions like like the likes of Zuma and Aguard for West Ham because of the corners, we can't really um, look at that. Yeah. But Pau Torres has the possibility of three or four clean sheets. Johnston has the possibility of three or four clean sheets. They play the likes of 
Burnley, Everton, Luton, Bournemouth as well. So a lot of the same teams. So I would say that Johnston and Torres might nullify each other. And I suppose that's the way you have to look at it, comparing one player to another. Johnston also has the possibility of save points. Romero has two and three good fixtures coming up in Fulham Palace. We know what we know what Spurs fixtures are like. So what what I'm looking at here is you're gambling on kudos. You're gambling on kudos to finally get in that West Ham team. He came on for 15 minutes the last day and banged a goal. Antonio looks like he might be carrying a bit of an injury, a hip abductor injury. And this could be the instigator for Kudos to start. So what I'm seeing there is that, okay, maybe you take the trade and you think um, Gordon and Torres actually are better. But if you actually gamble on the fact that Kudos might get in there for West Ham consistently, and they have they have fixtures such as Everton, Brentford, Forest, Burnley, Palace, Fulham in the next like six, seven game weeks. And if you think that he's going to play a good few of them games and West Ham are looking strong, well then I think you're going to go for side A. We never mentioned that on side B, Gordon and Torres, again we're just eradicating Ramsdale at the minute, Gordon has um, Europe, Pau Torres has Europe, Kudos has Europe, but Johnston and Romero do not. So you're actually, although you'd like to think that Torres and Gordon would play the majority of Premier League minutes, you're actually increasing the probability of the two players on side B being rotated whereas Johnson and Romero are probably going to play you know 95% of, yeah. of minutes um, for the next 10 game weeks so you're taking two kind of nailed players versus two players that are nailed but could be rotated and then a little punt in kudos who I think over the next 7 game weeks could be a great great player undervalued so we are going to go overall side A kudos Johnson and Romero so hopefully, Henry, that made it a bit clearer in your head. And hopefully you were going to go for side A as well. Next one is sent in by Andrew. And on side A, we have Thiago Silva and Trossard for Emerson and Anthony. Now, the first thing to note here is that Trossard is injured. He came off in the City game injured, as well as Martinelli coming back from injury. So kind of stacks against Trossard straight away here because he has a lot of rotation risk in Saka, Jesus, in Ketia, who's getting a lot of minutes, who we'll talk about in a minute. So he's a rotation risk straight away. Thiago Silva is playing in a very poor Chelsea side, who have a very tough run of fixtures for the next five, six, seven game weeks. In like game week 16 to 20, they have a very nice run. But as Jaxie said to me earlier, you can't really be thinking that far ahead in the draft unless you are sure he's going to stay in your team long term. On the other side, we have Emerson, who on the surface, you would definitely be going for Thiago Silva versus Emerson any other year, but they have a very good run of fixtures. They have the likes of Everton, Forest, Burnley, Palace in the next five, and West Ham look a very solid team this year. Emerson is also getting relatively high up the pitch. He's got an assist already this year, and he has been unlucky not to get more returns, hit the post, disallow goals. So he actually is a better pick this year than he has been in recent years. Anthony is obviously just coming back from a bit of a time out, we'll call it, from United. The first four game weeks he had started. Um, and he came back, game week eight, he came on and played 27 minutes. So I think Ten Hag really likes him as a player. I don't know how. He did bring him from Ajax and has worked with him before. So I think he does want him to do well at the, in the team. 
if you compare him to other wingers that might play for United, Garnacho, Palestri, a lot of young players, Sancho we know is out. So I think in terms of seniority, Anthony has that over Garnacho. They do have a nice run of fixtures. They play Sheffield next week, possibly gets the start, then City, Fulham, Luton, Everton. So out of the next five, they have four nice fixtures that even if he gets starts three out of them, you might be looking at attack and return. And again, we can only really look at this at like five fixtures at a time. So based on the five fixtures at a time, Emerson and Anthony get the nod for me. Trossard's injured rotation risk. Thiago Silva is not playing in a great Chelsea side, although he has very good probability at returning from the air. De Sassi is currently injured, so I think he's going to be nailed for the next couple of games. But Chelsea have a lot of injuries. So Thiago Silva, although he is one of the leaders of the team, wasn't given captaincy this year. There is a lot of good young defenders. Caldwell, uh, Bashiadil, whatever his name is, mm. De Sassi. Thiago Silva is getting on. I think he's like 37, 38. 38, yeah, I think so. So like, there's, he's going to come to the end of his career at some stage. And I think maybe this year he's shown a bit. I would probably go for side B in the short term. Although in six or seven game weeks time, you'd really want Thiago Silva. He mightn't even be there still. Jaxie's just looked it up. Fact, fact checking, he's 39 years 39 old as of like. the 22nd of I think September. He has to be the oldest outfield player in the Premier League. And he does look a bit rusty this year. So I think his, although he might look like a good pick in other years, his days might be numbered. I'd have to go with Emerson and Anthony, and especially in the draft, just have to get them wins. Just have to get them wins. I've been holding a couple of Brighton players on the bench, and I just can't wait until them fixtures turn, because you can't keep holding players for the long term in the draft. You need to win it week by week. So, based on that, I'm going to go for side B, Emerson and Anthony, and hopefully get the Ws each week, and possibly have to wave them out in a while, but so be it. Our second last question is from Yes, who is on Twitter as Yes. And his question was kind of more of a uh, us suggesting. Inketia and and or Antonio for who? Who are players that might be tradable for these players? He says that he tried to trade for Jackson, but because Jackson just recently returned, it might be a bit tough. Now, the only thing counteracting that is that Jackson is now at 75%. He's pulled out from international duty. He has to get surgery on his wrist, so might be a good time to actually maybe... Um, get one over on the person who owns Jackson and, and think that they might be getting rid of an injured player. On the surface, before we look into more detail, um, Inketia and Antonio, although I think their trade value will go down throughout the season, especially Antonio's, Antonio's probably at, if for someone who's not watching the Premier League or not watching the minutes, is at a, a good time to get rid of him. I think, as we said earlier, Kudos will come in and fill in that spot and play a lot more minutes. So I think getting rid of Antonio in a trade right now is a good thing to do if you can get it over the line. Inketia, although on the surface I thought isn't a great pick, has scored two goals and got two assists and is getting consistent minutes this year. Started most games for Arsenal and playing around 60-70 minutes. I know they've had their fair share of injuries so he'd been in and out of the team. But he actually is a better pick than I thought. The thing with Nketi is you don't know whether to start him or not. I know Champions League might help you influence that decision. But I don't think you should be jumping the gun with Nketi if you're not getting decent trades. So we're going to look at a couple of strikers here that might be good options for Antonio. And depending on if you think these are better than Nketi, 
maybe have a go for them. But again, I wouldn't be getting rid of Enketia straight away just because you're sick of him. He actually might be a decent hold for the season if he keeps getting them 60-70 minutes in a good Arsenal side. Yeah, I see you've Jackson down there and a few people were raving on about him at the start and then people went off him and he is 75% um, available to play. Um, 75% and injured at the moment. But how many strikers can you think of that, apart from Haaland, that went off in their very first season or the first couple of games? They were like unbelievable players. It rarely does happen. So I think Jackson, he ha- he did score the last day. It was a very good finish. I do think Jackson can come into his own over the next couple of game weeks. So I think he is definitely in and around the mix um, as a as a trade for Inkesia. Definitely, as a trade for Inkesia, I think it's a, it's clear night and day for Antonio. Yeah. The only thing about Jackson is that Chelsea did win without him. They looked decent without him. They have Broja, who actually came off as a precautionary. Cole Palmer. Sterling so I still think he's not 100% nailed although at the start of the season I was like they don't have a striker Broja will come in to uh, rotate with them but I definitely think he is probably the most nailed out of them three over the course of the season and again more minutes more probability of playing so I definitely put Jackson ahead of them too but you might get a trade right now over the line for Nketiah to Jackson he's Jackson. finished the last it was actually very good taken very well I know they were up maybe three goals two goals at this stage but did take Cole Palmer did take it down very well and finished it nicely. So he does have some flair there. I know his the first couple of glimpses of him that we got didn't didn't look too promising, but look, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> Other players that we're looking at that you could be looking to trade, let's say Antonio for, that you might get across the line, maybe in a double trade somehow, depending on who owns what. The likes of starting from let's say the bottom, Mateta. Mateta has some decent fixtures and looks like he's going to be nailed with the likes of Eze out, Olise another couple of weeks coming back. Problem is Palace don't look like a very good attacking threat. He'd be kind of one of the bottom of the piles but still not a bad shout short term. They play over the next five, they play Burnley, Everton and Luton thrown in there with two hard fixtures, Newcastle and Spurs up next. But as I said, then they go into three nice fixtures. A better option than that if you could get it would be Edward I think Edward right now for Antonio you're not going to get that maybe someone maybe an Arsenal fan might go for Edward to Nketiah again I'd do that because he looks nailed and inevitably long term Eze and Olise will be back you might have to ride it out for a couple of weeks with a poor Palisade but I think Edward over Nketiah long term would be a good decision someone that you could trade Antonio for could be Foster of Burnley because he plays for a poorer side and Burnley you know in recent years haven't been very exciting you might get it over the line problem is he has been returning well and looks like a very decent player they have the likes of Bournemouth Palace West Ham Sheffield over the next like five six seven game weeks what I like about the Burnley defenders or Burnley players sorry is that you can play them when they have an easy fixture and you can easily bench them when they play a poor or a better side excuse me so Foster could be a very easy one to decide and just not have a headache that he's playing City okay I'll leave him on the bench oh he's playing Forest. I'll play him no problem and although it might not always work out in terms of returns it's an easy headache to have I hate having a headache where I'm like oh it's a good team 
or a good player, they're playing a good team. Will he start? Won't he start? We know Foster is the main man for Burnley. We know he's going to start. Antonio is a rotation risk in a decent West Ham side. I'd rather the nailed striker than a rotation risk. And Foster, he has returned in, in games he's played. Last week, five points. Week before, nine. Looking back, game week four, game week three and four, he got six and seven points respectively. So there is the possibility of him returning and he's a nailed striker. So yeah, I wouldn't be overlooking overlooking him just because he plays for Burnley. Yeah, three goals, two assists this season. Like he's proven he can do it. Hopefully he'll be there all season. Jeez, if he gets go somewhere in January that'd be just unfortunate but anyways Foster over Antonio definitely there is you know an argument if you really wanted a certain striker Foster over Nketiah but again I definitely back the big Arsenal side there that if they're demolishing a team Nketiah only needs you know 20-30 minutes or maybe start some of them games that might be easy wins DCL could be a great option for either of those definitely Antonio and possibly Nketiah DCL Again, back in that Everton side who have looks like turned a corner. They have, as I said, Jack Harrison. They have McNeil. They have some very good footballers. Decore coming into his own. So DCL, if he could stay fit, could be a good option long term. We know he's their number one. And I would kind of, for me personally, I'd be putting a starting striker over a lot of things. If they're playing 90 minutes, if let's say they're on pins and they're the main man, over the course of the season, they're probably going to return more than a rotating striker. And it's more enjoyable if you're thinking about enjoyment for the draft. If you are watching a game and you know you have DCL, you'll be watching for a full 90 minutes. If you have Nkechia and he doesn't start, you'll be watching the game and you're like, oh, is he going to come on? Will I get points for him? So in terms of enjoyment and kind of sitting back a little bit, having a player that's starting every week is going to be more enjoyable for you playing the draft. That's a great point, man. That's that's probably why I like it. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, I, I have Solanke and I love Owen Solanke. No, he's going to play for Bournemouth. If they get a pen, he's on it. Uh, he's going to play 90 minutes and there's nothing worse when you see your player getting whipped at 60, 70 minutes and you're like, right, well, that's that's it. Done. Yeah. You can't do anything now. So yeah, um, DCL as a 90-minute striker that's on pens, great option. And if you get any of them, for Antonio I'd be happy if you want to double up depending if you want to send us in another question if you're looking at let's say Jackson who else does he have as a striker for Jackson would you consider selling Inketia and Antonio for Jackson and a dud that's the type of question you have to ask yourself when it comes to it so again if we were to rank them I probably it's going to be tough to rank Jackson I, I suppose I put them in brackets you know I put Jackson, Nketiah, Edward, um, and possibly DCL in like the top tier bracket. And Foster would be just outside that. And then Mateta could be a very good, decent trade for Antonio. And uh, although it sounds bad, I'd probably be looking to get rid of Antonio for a playing striker. But if they're not playing consistently and you don't think that they're going to be in starting for the next four or five games... I'd keep Antonio. Yeah. I wouldn't be trading him for, as we said, an Abayo or any of these boys that you think are going to be on the waiver in the future. There is a chance that Antonio does keep the position and maybe does well. He's with a good West Ham side. So I definitely wouldn't be trading trading him for someone that's going to be rotated. Mateta is down there with, he's going to be good short term. He's definitely going to play short term. 
but I definitely would not be looking at any rotation striker for Antonio. He's not down there yet. Yeah, I think the question marks over Antonio and the question marks over Inkesia, that do that does make Foster and Jackson that bit more appealing to me. Mm-hmm. And and DCL. Uh, well, DCL, I would, I'd rather have Antonio than DCL at the moment just because I'm fearful of him getting injured again. And um, then he's just, a, yeah, he's out the window. He's out the window. That's my only concern with DCL. It's always hanging over my head. I fell into the, the trap before. It's like you have these affinity with players in the draft. I have an affinity with DCL because I had him and then he got injured. So, yeah, I think I think Foster, just because, yeah, I'm going back to enjoyment now. He's playing with Burnley and he's returning with him. I think I'd have great fun having Foster in my team. There you go. So, hopefully we've given you a good few options in and around that area. There's definitely going to be more that uh, come to fruition throughout the season, but currently there are some good options that maybe with a midfielder or defender you might be able to get over the line. And last but not least, we put up a trade over the weekend um, that got a good response and a good few votes, and I was involved. And I suppose I have to give you my my mental state as I made this and the trade was I owned Saka, Doku and Welbeck and let's just look at them players Saka absolute baller returning for me all the time injury risk it uh, looked like he did something to his ankle or something to his hamstring it was up in the air I was really trying to get this trade over the line because I needed to win every game week game week by game week so although I want uh, you know I was willing to get rid of my number one pick in the draft I needed to do that to win the game week because I thought I had a lot of other injuries and if Saka wasn't playing I needed someone to fill that spot I definitely was going to lose Doku as I discussed earlier I owned him really did not enjoy it one pointers rotation risk City not having the greatest fixtures I was just fed up with him and and sometimes when you're fed up with a player it's better for someone else to own them and, and have, a, have a go at them as Jackson said this is a game of enjoyment at the end of the day that if I'm getting sick of my team and I want to switch it up boom let's do it yeah it might it doesn't always have to be totally you know um, scientific although we definitely always back it with science and you know stats and stuff it doesn't always have to be guaranteed in your favour and I think that's one thing about trading that no one's ever going to give a trade away where they think it's totally obvious because well then the other person's not going to take it it has to be somewhat balanced. So, you know, if I put a trade up, some people have to vote in one way. You put a trade up the, at the end of the year or start of the year, Jaxie, Bone for Rashford. And it was like 80, 90% Rashford. Yeah. And look how it's turned out. So just because you have this idea that it's going to go one way, doesn't mean that it's definitely going to happen. Bone, we don't, we don't decide what happens. Bone is well entitled to outscore Rashford as he has. And you would still probably have Bone going forward. Yeah, right now. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to uh, have ramble to justify what I did. <laughs> Welbeck, I wanted out. Welbeck, I was willing to genuinely put on the waiver for anyone. I know he was playing, but he was rotating. He was not playing well, playing 45 minutes. Um, Brighton were playing poor. I wanted, honestly just thought... Welbeck is just, I'm giving him away here. So essentially in my head, I'm giving away Saka and Doku. Doku, who I was sick of. Saka, who is I can get a very, very good player for. On the other side of that, I had Awoni, Richarlison and Suchek. When I looked at that, Awoni was 
blanking in the last two games after balling out, but still playing very well. Forest had a nice run of fixtures. And one of the key points that I have to say here is that we play 18 game weeks. So we had, what, 11 game weeks left? And I was looking at the next 11 game weeks, not the whole season. So I was kind of playing a bit of a, you know, a, a, the short game, I suppose. So I was looking at Awoni. In the next 11 games, I'm happy to own him and keep him full stop. I'm not happy to keep Welbeck. I'm not happy to keep Doku. Richarlison, who was going to be cert in the team because with Johnson, Solomon, all them injuries. Um, this is for game week uh, 8. He was definitely going to play. And if he scored against Luton and, and uh, took that form into the next games, he could nail down a spot. Now, obviously, we know what happened. He missed massive chances and, and got whipped because of that red card. But still, that was the risk I was willing to take. Suchek, previous game, had six shots in the box and was coming into a fantastic run of fixtures with James Ward-Prowse in the team. So essentially, in my head, I was getting three players. Awoni, top quality player. Richarlison, a bit of a punt that could be good. And Suchek, I think, good consistent player for the next 11 game weeks. For Saka, top, top tier player. Guaranteed points. For Doku, rotation risk. And Welbeck, didn't want. In my head, I was getting essentially three for two, if not three for one. Doku, I was willing to waver. Richarlison and Suchek, I was, I'd love to have them on the waiver, but they were in someone's team. So, after one game week, what happened was Saka didn't start, Doku didn't start, and Welbeck didn't start. Awoni picks up a mystery hip groin injury before the game week. He's not in the squad and everyone's asking why. So this can happen in a trade. A month out. So essentially, I've just that trade has swayed so far to side A straight away. But again, it doesn't mean that it's always going to win. Probably will now. But it doesn't mean it's guaranteed. Richarlison gets whipped after 45 minutes because the red card misses massive chances. And Suchek bangs after like 8 minutes. So actually, although it's turned out ridiculous for both sides, Suchek, because of Suchek's goal, I got a plus 7 that game week. Got me a draw. If I didn't make that trade, I would have lost. And I know it's only one point, but it could be the difference. I think over the long term, it's going to be close. That Awoni injury has made it really, really in favour of side A. I think if Awoni played all them games, I think it's going to be very, very close. And all trades have to be. There is never going to be a trade where it's unbelievably obvious unless something is wrong. Or someone's got it totally wrong. Or maybe they support a particular club. And they really want a player from that side. And they see something that you don't. So, again, at the end of the day, it was enjoyment. Once I got the trade over the line, I was delighted looking at my team. If you win the draft this year by one point because of that draw, you'll never forget Richarlison or Suchek. Ever. 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 So that's what I that's why I play the game. For getting in players who I think have good stints of fixtures, getting trades over the line, and hopefully converting that into points. I play of a more week-to-week game, so I don't look at like... I'm going to keep these players, players in my team forever. I'm looking at getting them in, getting returns, trading up, improving my squad gradually over time. And having uh, if my squad is not genuinely 15 players different to when I drafted, I'm, uh, I'm not happy. I'm always trying to trade up and, and change value of players and trying to get them when they're, when they're cold and sell them when they're hot. So that's the way I played the game. 
And this has been my ramble as to justify why I'm going to lose this trade overall. <laughs> <laughs> giving away Saka for an injured Awoni. But anyways, um, hopefully it's a bit clearer. I'm going to keep everyone updated on how it gets on week to week. If I don't post, you know why. <laughs> it's because Saka's got a hat-trick or something. But at the end of the day, trading is supposed to be entertaining. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter telling me, like, no one trades in our league. No one does. I'd encourage everyone to trade. I think people are afraid of losing out. Why not? Yeah, at the end of the day, yes, you want to win. But sometimes enjoyment is just as, as fun. And you might actually gain points from that. Yeah, sometimes the win... Well, the win does come in the game week if you win it or or lose it. That's what that's where the win is. But there is also a win in getting a trade over the line and the enjoyment around around it, around it's, the trade. It's the one thing that normal doesn't have. Yeah. So use it to your advantage. Like I'd encourage everyone to trade. Yeah. So you can get wins everywhere in the draft. It doesn't have to be points on the scoreboard. You can get a win by just having an enjoyable game week. And that's it. And that's again, we were on a podcast this week which will be released in a couple of weeks' time, Chasing the Upside. And we said that the reason that we started this was to get people to enjoy the draft as much as we did. To, for them to experience what the draft is and what are all the highs and lows. And, and trading is one of that. So, again, you could actually implement rules on your, your actual league. I've heard of this before, that you have to trade every two weeks, three weeks, that the, a trade has to go over the line. Um... Now, I know it might be hard to enforce and stuff, but yeah, get onto your lads, uh, get onto your people in your group, whoever's in your group chat, and encourage them to trade because even if it doesn't work out, as we said, it's so, so enjoyable and it's enjoyable to track then throughout the next five, ten game weeks who actually won it, who you think was going to win it and who actually won it. Hopefully all them trades and all that advice and strategy over the last hour helped you and it all works out in our favour. No doubt there is going to be big changes throughout the next couple of weeks regarding them trades. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be suspensions. Players are going to get in the team, get out of the team. And that's the excitement about it. That's what makes it good. And you want to track them trades over the next five, six, seven weeks and see how you go. Obviously, at the end of the day, you want to get plus points. But even if not, you had a bit of fun. So hopefully all the information we provide gets you them wins and you end up top. That's it for this week's episode. So thank you very much for listening. And also, thanks a million for sending in those trades. We wouldn't have a podcast this week if you didn't send in those trades this week. So thank you very much for that. As usual, we do appreciate every like, every follow and every review. So if you're not following the page or if you're not subscribed to us on Spotify, we'd really appreciate if you did that. So we'll see you again next week. FPL Draft Show out. Boom! <laughs> Stole your role. <laughs>